Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am Dustin Levy, joined by my talented and diligent colleagues, Dan DeLuca and Alex Martin. Alex, how was your weekend? Did you spend it cleaning the mud off your shoes? Uh, yeah, I, I decided to make a big mistake. Um, I wore white, uh, sh- a shirt and shorts on, uh, on Friday. By the end of the night, I looked like a Dalmatian. A lot of mud from uh, Benita Springs Friday. They were playing in torrential downpour. It looked like a uh, slip and slide at times. Uh, some of the Baron players were uh, doing what the Bears did in week one and were just, you know, essentially using the wet field as a uh, slip and slide. But yeah, it was a, a pretty rainy, wet Friday night. Um, you know, obviously it did have an impact. You know, your game didn't go off, a lot of delays. It was just one of those nights, yeah, cleaning, still cleaning the shoes today. Yeah, another weather-impacted Friday night. I'm, I don't know how, what kind of reverse jinx I can put out there to, to get some good weather this Friday. Like Alex mentioned, the Dunbar-Fort Myers game was the only one really impacted. That's not a surprise given uh, the condition at the Fort Myers field. But by this time next year, we might not have that problem with the plans for Fort Myers to get a uh, new turf field. Um, Dan, how how important is that and how big a difference is that going to make? Uh, I think it's going to be huge for Fort Myers. I mean, the, these field problems, they've been going on for decades, I would say. I mean, it's just, it's just unfortunate because Edison Stadium is sort of the still the premier destination in, you know, Lee County. It's got the largest capacity. So you really want to have these these big events there. And Fort Myers Dunbar, I mean, that's that's a big neighborhood game. That's that's one that people want to see. And to have it canceled because of field conditions is just unfortunate. And that game was postponed to week seven. But let's get into some of these games that uh, were actually held on Friday night. Alex, uh, what, what's a game, uh, an outcome that stood out to you? I thought Bishop Verreaux, um limiting Gulf Coast to four points. I think there is a lot of consensus across the board that maybe first to 30 wins, first to 40 wins, just given Vero's struggles on defense. Granted, they still had those struggles. I think it was close to 400 yards of total offense for Gulf Coast, but they pretty much did what they needed to do, bend but not break. Vero took advantage of having a good field goal kicker. Um, you know, that's key these days. Um, I think uh, Cameron made three field goals maybe two but nonetheless I mean a, a huge win for Vero and they're they're three and one headed into our big big game this week against First Baptist one that I'm very intrigued by as well it seemed like what made the difference in that game was two turnovers at the goal line for the Sharks including an interception by Anthony Lee yeah in looking at some footage um, there was a apparently a run by AJ Lubin that was ruled a fumble clearly was not his he was down by contact. If not, he, he scored, but apparently officials ruled it a fumble. Um, Vero recovered, and I believe they turned that into points. Just a backbreaker there. You know, another game kind of interesting was my game, Benita Springs at Baron Collier. Never in my three-plus years covering football games for the news press and Naples Daily News have I seen a team shave off an entire quarter to start the game. Um, Benita did that. Um, then the first seven seconds of the second quarter, Josiah Sessler scores one of his three touchdowns on the night. He, you know, he was right in the vicinity of 250 rushing yards. I think he had 
technically he had 238, but he took a sack, and you, you know I hate how that how that works with sacks being negative rushing. Um, that was a 16 yard loss. So technically he finished with 222 per my tally, but they gave him the ball 50 times, um, which is just unheard of these days. Got to check up with him and uh, see if he's fully recovered. Probably a couple ice baths on Saturday, I'd say. Dan, you, you saw a team improve to 4-0 for the first time since uh, since 2000, is that right? Yes, Stero. Uh, the press box at Island Coast was nice and dry, Alex, so you might want to look into the press boxes every once in a while when, it, when it's raining out. 7 nothing. really it came down to one play. Island Coast's first drive, they went 3 and out, end up snapping the ball over the punter's head. Stero recovers at the one-yard line. Malik Allen punches it in on the next play, and that was it. Stero didn't have 100 yards of offense. Island Coast barely had over 100 yards of offense. Stero's finding a way to get it done, right? Uh, they still haven't given up an offensive touchdown this year. Cypress Lake's the only team that scored against them. They did it on a special team score and a defensive score. Coach Darren Nelson, after the game, he had a good, he had a good point. He said, hey, you know, you look at the standings, there isn't a U for ugly. And it was an ugly win, but it's just a W and an L goes down as a W, and Estero's got four of them now. I wrote that quote down because I needed to make sure it came through in that podcast because that is just excellent. Alex, I know you want to get into this Lehigh game. I know you you watched it on, on hyperspeed. I was just peeking through, just watching the highlights because I, I legitimately wanted to know what happened. You know, this is a this is a letdown. I think um, the team coming in only scored 17 points, and 14 of them came in one game. Um, you know, this is a uh, a little bit of a surprising outcome to me. Um, you know, Richard Young didn't really have an, a great game. You know, I think it was 16 carries for 59 yards. He seems to be hot and cold at this point. Not sure what that means for the rest of the season. Um, they got a bye week this week. I imagine this will be a pretty defining week in Lehigh season as to what direction they want to go in. I did take a peek, um, you know, at, at Riverview's film, um, you know, what went on and Tyree Cunningham had a 99-yard fumble return um, that was actually a pretty good call by the Riverview broadcast team. Um, let's take a listen. Dawson fakes the handoff, and he lost the football, and Lehigh picks it up, and Lehigh's going to return this all the way. Disaster! It is Tyree Cunningham, 99 yards the other way. Exactly what you could not have. And that was Addison Risco on the call for the Riverview broadcast team. Uh, Cunningham, one of the silver linings, I think, in the loss. I mean, obviously player of the year last year. It seems like Dustin just doing what he can at this point with what the defense is you know, having to deal with. Seems to be making the most of it, I think. Another standout result when you're scrolling through your Twitter feed is when Naples and Golden Gate were tied 7-all at halftime. Naples eventually pulling away after the half. Alex, what happened there? Was it because of the weather? I was just looking at this. This is two game or six quarters now uh, going into last week that Naples had played pretty close. You know, Mockley held their own for four quarters, and then the first two quarters of this Golden Gate game, it's tied. I, I would presume that's because of field conditions. It seemed like Naples was committing a lot of penalties in the first half. Kendrick Raphael finished the night uh, with 289 yards on the ground on 20 carries, three touchdowns. Um, Naples Daily News Athlete of the Week nominee. You know, he has surged into the number two spot in rushing in the area um, behind Josiah Sessler. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was very weird to see a, a much more superior Naples team tied at the half with Golden Gate. Uh, I imagine Rick Martin's definitely probably wasn't happy about that and 
Um, you, you saw the result in the second half. Um, Naples comes out firing, 31 second-half points, um, and they win this one 38-14. Dan, any other results that caught your attention this week? Looking at Mariner, you know, in Riverdale, Riverdale, you know, ends up winning that one 31-13. They kind of got out to a big lead. Uh, Mariner had some turnovers. They were up 21-0, the Raiders, and then kind of held on, uh, scored at the end. But, you know, Riverdale improves to 2-1 now. Mariner, after, you know, starting 2-0, they've dropped their last two. Uh, so I think that points to good things, I think, for Riverdale going forward in the district play. Another team that improved to 2-1 was Cape Coral beating Cypress Lake 13-10 with a goal line stand to finish it off. Rex Williams had two picks in that game, and, you know, uh, credit the Seahawks after, you know, un- an uncertain summer uh, getting off to this start. Yeah, and especially, uh, you, you, you know some people on that Cape Coral sideline were fired up Oh uh, yeah, for that one. <laughs> um, specifically Isaac Harvin taking over next year for Cape Coral, um, facing his old school from uh, actually the spring when he was uh, coaching there. Um, so it was... Definitely a battle. Um, this is one that I don't think Cypress Lake really wanted to have to deal with in that loss column, but, you know, it's, it's reality now. You know, they got to recover and uh, get ready for their next game. Good stuff. And some of our other local results were uh, some of our, our teams beating up on uh, teams from Bradenton. <laughs> ECS beating uh, Bradenton Christian, uh, shutting them out 34 nothing. Laley 38-3 against Bradenton Southeast. Canterbury 41-21 against Bradenton St. Stevens. What, what what is it about Fort Myers beating up on Bradenton teams? It's not just it wasn't just this week either. It was uh, SFCA I think last week against Bradenton Christian. I mean there, there's been a couple of games where it's like what's the what's the deal here? Well, it seems like they are going to remain popular in scheduling in the future. After this break, we are going to look at some of the stat leaders through the first 4 weeks. Stay tuned. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Welcome back. Every week, Alex compiles the season stat leaders based on Max Preps, puts them up on Instagram, and stirs a whole lot of discussion, so we thought we'd take a look at who's breaking out, who's causing surprises, and uh, yeah, just looking at who's doing well. Stirring the pot, I think, is a little bit generous. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, we go off of what Max Preps, uh, what's submitted there every week. If you don't submit to Max Preps, um, that's on you, um, plain and simple. Um, your kids aren't going to get recognized. And to start off, though, passing, no surprise at this point. This is a battle between Eli Moore and Carter Smith. Carter Smith, uh, after playing his fourth game of the year, leads with 944 passing yards. Pretty impressive. Pretty much 235 passing yards a game. For him, Eli Moore's at 809. Definitely would have uh, probably held the lead if it weren't for their cancellation this past Friday against Keswick Christian. Then in third place, another private school quarterback, Tanner Helton, who's at 764 passing yards. Fourth place, Jamarian McElroy at Gateway, 641. And then I had uh, Lana Winterbottom at Dumbart uh, at fifth uh, with 497. Um, so he still holds the number five spot. Um, any interesting names? I mean, I mean McElroy, obviously, Gateway's known for throwing the ball. Um, it seems like Tanner Helton has finally found success at ECS, which is something that he didn't really have a lot of at North. 
um, just because of injury and whatnot. But it seems like he's finally found a good home. Yeah, he was the big standout to me just because, you know, there were big expectations for for the big guy last year at with the Red Knights. He, he's really come into his own with ECS, having a, a great connection with Jack Shuker. But otherwise, uh, you know, these are, are the guys that we kind of expected. I mean, Helton seems to be doing well for Mac Mitchell. Landon Winterbottom has, you know, had his uh, had his moments at Dunbar. He can so, throw it. Uh, <laughs> he has an arm. Uh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> One of the best arms I've seen that can throw a ball really far on a rope. Um, next up rushing is, obviously, we know who the two top two are. It's Josiah Sessler and Kendrick Raphael. Sessler through four games, I believe, is at 800, uh, 798 pat, uh, rushing yards. Raphael is at 649. Um, a lot of that was uh, because of last week's game against Golden Gate. Then you got L.J. Blackwell, I think a transfer from Maryland. Um, he's at 559 rushing yards. Richard Young at Lehigh is at 532 rushing yards. And then Trayvon Jean at Golden Gate, 521 rushing yards. Just overall thoughts, I mean, on that top five, I mean, did you expect to see somebody that uh, that's not on there? I, I wasn't sure what to expect after Miles Graham left ECS, uh, who was going to fill that hole in the offense. And L.J. Blackwell, a, a transfer for Maryland, uh, definitely seems to be stepping up. Richard Young probably a little bit lower than we'd expect to this point, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if he races up in quick fashion. The one player I was wondering about was Laz Rogers at Gateway Charter. You know, he was one who seemed to be primed to have a big year after, uh, I believe he played at East Lee last year, if I'm not mistaken. He was one that I was curious about to see how he'd do, just because uh, this is a kid we saw plenty of times throughout the year. Kid's got a bright future. Be shocked if he stays at Gateway Charter for uh, his next uh, two years, um, I think he's got a, a home, you know, in, at a different school. You know, it, it, he's one of the guys that I was wondering about. Isaiah Gustav hasn't really gotten going yet, um, he, and I say that after he, after coming off 150 yards against Golden Gate, um, he's still kind of lacking in the in the carries. Um, I, I thought I would have expected to see more of a, an even split between him and Raphael. Um, but, you know, pretty much those were the only two that I was really surprised not to see uh, on the list. I mean, Rose got a um, not a defined number one running back, obviously, kind of a committee uh, between three guys, including Carter Smith. So he, uh, you know, not really surprised there. Um, Fort Myers still struggling with their offensive line play. Um, Andre Devine is one who obviously looks like he is hurt. He hasn't played the past two games. Um, one one situation maybe monitor, but um, all in all, I mean, kind of no, no surprise to see the you know young Rafael Sessler somewhere in the top five. You you mentioned Augustave not having all the carries. Uh, that's not a problem for Sessler, who at this point has, has to rank among the top in the state for for the amount of carries that he gets. It's top, unbelievable. Top in the nation, I think wow. he's got a hundred and se- <laughs> he's got a hundred and seventy two carries through four games. I mean, the it's just insane. Um, what what that kid is doing um, through four games for for Rich Dombrowski's team, um, you know, receiving is pretty interesting. Um, not really anybody exploding. Shaden Kador still holds the lead after Week Four, despite not playing last week. He's got 391 receiving yards. Olson Pat Henry, no surprise, 363 receiving yards. Matthew Turner, one of the unsung heroes, I, I'd say, of the Vero season so far. 281 receiving yards, and you got Dylan Aleef at Gateway, 278 receiving yards, and then Kirby Joseph at Lehigh, 276 receiving yards. A lot of that has come in two games. 
um, against uh, Vero, which was in week two. I think he had 11 for 160, and then um, he had about, I think, 80 yards receiving against Riverview. So, um, you know, 240 yards coming in two games. Um, like to see some more consistency out of him. Maybe he'd be at the end of the year if he does find it on a week-by-week basis, we'd be looking at a pretty healthy number for him. The one player I'd expect to, to make the top five pretty soon, uh, he had his game canceled this past week, uh, is Anthony Benjamin with Dunbar, who is just, you know, they call him a human joystick because that's what he is. And, you know, when they get the ball in his hands, good things happen. Not sure if you notice on social media, he actually changed his username to joy underscore stick seven. So he's, he's embracing that, uh, which is pretty unique to see. Um, I don't think anybody disagree with the fact that he is a human joystick. Next up, we're going to the defensive side of the ball. It is going to be tackles. Top three guys within two tackles of each other. You got Jeremiah Dean at Vero leading the way with 50. You got Tyree Cunningham, who appears twice on this list. More on that later um, with 50 tackles. And then Gene Tantalus at Naples with 49. Debonair Brown at Naples with 47. And then Kaysen Humble uh, with 46. Um, so definitely uh, an interesting pool of guys there. Um, two Naples guys make the cut, but it's a Vero guy up at the top, Dustin. Yeah, uh, Dean was someone that really impressed me when I saw him in the spring. He was actually going both ways, uh, running the ball as well, and he did pretty well at that. So seems like a, just an overall football guy uh, who, who's having himself a season for the Vikings. I would have expected him to honestly be the team's leading rusher at this point. But, you know, um, the fact that Vero can actually go what seems like too deep over there, um, they, they don't have to worry about playing guys both ways um, like a lot of private schools have to deal with. Um, you know, kind of interesting to see that, especially at the linebacker spot. Um, you know, no surprise with Cunningham. Gene Tantalus is one who was uh, among the top uh, last year. He's a first-teamer. Um Debo Brown is, is one who kind of seems like he's shifting into a hybrid type role, uh, similar to what Kerry Brown did last year. Um, you know, Kerry Brown, a player of the year finalist on the defensive side of the ball. He's going to Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a, a competition up at the top. Uh, be interesting to see who leads uh, after next week. I imagine we might have a new leader, um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Next up, defensive lineman, it's your time. Uh, time for the, the sacks. Uh, Matthew Vicarious from Naples, uh, number one with six. Um, Anthony Belton at Island Coast, who's got five. And then there's that man again, Tyree Cunningham, five. Venier Baptiste, four. And then J.B. Stevens, go, who's going to UMass at four. So you got a, two Dunbar guys there um, at the bottom. The defensive line doesn't seem to really be much of an issue, if at all, for the, for the Tigers in terms of getting to the quarterback. Um, and then Cunningham still uh, just doing his thing, um, which has got to be encouraging. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dunbar having two guys, it, it seems like, you know, they replaced Dimitri Morgan along the line uh, pretty efficiently um, in Baptiste and Stevens. Uh, Stevens obviously had a great year last year and is continuing that. Yeah, and Baptiste is one who kind of uh, kind of surprised some people, especially you'd think – that success would have been there with like Adrian Stone in the fold at the, at the defensive tackle spot. Um, but you know, Baptiste has kind of burst onto the scene, um, you know, huge season for him thus far. And they've only played what three games. So he's averaging over a sack a game at this rate. Um, gotta be encouraging for that Dunbar defense. Another thing that is definitely going to be uh, a bright spot is the interceptions in the secondary. You got two Dunbar guys with two and Eddie Bennett and Chris Singleton, 
Um, you got Rex Williams and Jaden Boyd from Cape Coral, both with two. Dustin, you kind of alluded um, earlier on that Williams had two picks against Cypress Lake. And then uh, Luke Murphy at CSN, who has a pair of picks. Um, good to see CSN getting their stats in, and so we can recognize their kids accordingly. Uh, but, you know, the names we'd think you'd see, Duclona, Russ, uh, Benelli, I mean, you got, I mean, Henderson, you got this list of guys who just, uh, who, who aren't in the top five here. I think people are smart enough not to throw their way is the big thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing about those Cape guys is uh, both their interceptions, they, they came in the same ga- same game. Uh, Rex Williams obviously had two last week against Cyprus. Uh, Jane Boyd got two and a, a fumble recovery against Gateway. So uh, really impressive by them. Some teams know at this point not to throw certain people's ways. Um, last year, people didn't throw Devin Moore's way. He had no picks, but he was still a first-teamer because his impact on the field was um, made obvious. Uh, he took away half of the field. Nobody was going to tr- really try testing him, and when people did, it was often past breakups. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, you don't see a guy like Sean Russ. You don't see um, Kelton Henderson, Jonas DeClona, Kerry Brown. Um, Kensley Fawson's got one pick but not, um, obviously not among the leaders, Ben Boozy. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see who's leading by the end of the year. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, two picks through three games or four games sets people up maybe to have four or five. Um, who knows what the uh, the area lead will be this year. I think last year it was seven by Dawson Jones at Newman. Um, at this rate, I think maybe, what, six picks would be the be the area lead. Uh-huh. But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see at that point. We have a good slate of games coming up this week, uh, Dan. I, I know you've uh, you've been sitting there patiently waiting uh, to talk about the game you're most looking forward to. I think it's Immokalee Baron Collier, honestly. Um, Baron Collier is unbeaten. They get this one at home. Immokalee is two and two. You know, one point loss to CSN, hung with Naples. Uh, you know, for four quarters. So I I, I think. They're probably outperforming preseason expectations at this point. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a, a really interesting game. And it's, it's sort of a bellwether, I think, for both of these programs. You know, if Baron Collier come out and win convincingly, then, okay, you know, looking at their last five games, maybe they've got a shot to really do something. If Immokalee, on the other hand, can, you know, hang with Baron Collier, uh, even if they don't win, if they can keep it a one-score game, then I've, I think they've got a lot to look forward to in the second half of the season as well. Yeah, definitely two teams that have surpassed my preseason expectations. I'm really looking forward to that one. Alex, is there a game that has your attention? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of eyeing that that Immokalee Baron game as well. Um, but Gulf Coast Golden Gate, um, this is going to be a big game. I think it's a pretty this this is going to be a defining moment for where Nick Bajika's team is and what they want to be. Um, one and three right now, much better than the record, I think. Um, but you know, if you go down one and four here, that's it's going to be a time where you know reality might set in. Um, obviously, it's been a tough first half for them. Um, but you know, Gulf Coast is going to look to get off the schneid here. Um, they're going to look to be uh, four and one. You know, and I think if they get past this game, they're looking at eight or nine wins minimum. Um, they're really talented, and the schedule down the rest of the stretch favors them. Um, but obviously, Vero First Baptist is another one, and we're you know we'll get into that um, in the next segment. But you know, private school supremacy. Um, this game was um, interesting last year as you were there, um, but we'll see. Yeah, this was a, a really funky game last year with 
a huge, huge uh, turn uh, on a interception in the back of the end zone or a touchdown in the back of the end zone that didn't count, followed by a pick six, which uh, really swung things in the Vikings' favor. I don't think Carter Smith completed a pass in the first half. You, yeah, you were right. Yeah, I don't think he, it was one of those where he had, what, like five passing yards and or something. I mean, it was – yeah, he, he I'd got cold, but uh, the second half he he got going in a really big way. I'd have to go back and check your game story, but it was it was such a weird game, and like Ty Keller was you know doing what he needed to do at the time, and you know Carter Smith and in, in that Vero offense was stymied uh, for much of the game until that ninety yard pick six by by uh, Austin Red at the time, which you know the play before that um, Olson Henry you know clearly got at least one foot if not two down with possession of the ball. Um, Amanda Inscore got such a great photo of it, um, but it was inco- ruled incomplete. Next play, um, complete momentum shift, and I think that tied the game at, at halftime at seven, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, I don't know if these two teams will be tied at seven at the half here, but um, uh, definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, number three and number four in our rankings, so um, each team looking to boost their resume. Yeah, and we're going to be looking forward to that one. And when we return, we are going to share our picks for these games and more. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Welcome back, everybody. This is the final segment of the pod. It is picks time here. We got ten more games uh, featuring all, uh, Southwest Florida squads. No uh, South Florida matchup this week that we have to pick, um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we all went six and three across the board last week with a pending game against uh, with Dunbar and Fort Myers. Um, that game will not be included in our week seven picks, so there will be ten games. Um, that aren't that game when week seven rolls around it'll just roll into um, that week with 11 games but heading into this week um, I am 28 and 10 Dustin is 27 and 11 Dan is 26 and 12 so still anybody's ball game in terms of who can uh, you know be the leader at the end of the week Um, we're going to start it off with what I'm going to view as a trap game Uh, Astero going to the Cape Um, the Seahawks uh, pretty solid start under Larry Gary two and one um, Estero's looking to go to 5-0 and um, to continue what they did uh, during that 2000 season when I happened to be born. Um, pretty crazy moment there. But, um, Dan, going to start it with you. I mean, you saw this Estero team last week. Um, I mean, what do you kind of expect to see in this one? Uh, well, this is really going to be a defensive game. I mean, Cape, Cape has two wins this year. Uh, they had three all of last year, and those two are really on the strength of their defense. I mean, they had to stop Cypress Lake three times inside the seven-yard line to kind of hang on, win that game last week. Uh, they did lose one of their better offensive players and their running back, Miranda. It looked like he hurt his hand. Not sure if he's going to be available this week. And I know Estero only put up seven points, but the conditions really, I think, had a lot to do with that. Uh, it was pretty much just running the ball in, into the line. I think Estero has the better offense. Unless Cape can turn, you know, some of these, uh, you know, some of their defensive play into touchdowns, I, I just don't see Cape coming up with enough points to win this game. So I think Estero goes five and zero. Yeah, the question is, will Estero keep that magic going? Um, I don't think the Seahawks should be overlooked uh, based on what we've seen from them so far this season. 
but I think eventually these uh, players for the Wildcats, uh, Jason DeClone and Malik Allen, they're, they're going to get going, and I'm, I'm expecting that to happen this week. This was a game last year that Cape Coral won, 27-21. Um, a fourth-quarter comeback fueled the Seahawks. Um, you know, Estero was up 21-14 at the end of three. Um, the, that run game really gave Estero fits, 306 rushing yards on the ground. Uh, this was a team that had Kendrick Agenor, you know, and Kirk Talley and, and Matthew Wilson and Jason Ducona um, really pairing up out wide. Uh, you know, Cape's the home team here, um, but I'm going to I'm gonna take Estero. Um, I just think this year specifically they're just – I think they're too good, and, the, and they're, they haven't allowed a point yet on, uh, on defense. So I'm going to take the Wildcats as well um, to go to 5-0 and to continue what they did in 2000. Next up, a, a game that isn't really, uh, you know, the, the luster has kind of been uh, taken away from this one. Charlotte and Fort Myers. Um, Greenies are 1-2. and two. Um, You know, Charlotte's 0-3. Um, guys, I mean, is this a game where Fort Myers can get back on track? I mean, this is, a, would say, a pretty, pretty big rivalry game here um, between the two teams. I think you might have to throw the records out the window between these two teams. Um, Charlotte has not gotten off to a great start. Um, they haven't scored more than 17 points in a game. Um, so I'm going to give the edge to the Greenies. But, you know, with these two teams, I, I think it's going to be a dogfight till the end. A week five matchup between Fort Myers and Charlotte where the teams have combined for one win. I, I don't know when or if you, we, we've ever seen that. Uh, this is the 70th all-time meeting between these teams. First played in 1935. Fort Myers has played Charlotte more than any other opponent. Uh, Charlotte, that 0-3 start, that's their worst since 2005 when they opened 1-6. Kind of get a pass for that because that's the year after Hurricane Charlie, which basically destroyed all their facilities there in, in Charlotte. But uh, I think Charlotte's earned this 0-3 record uh, this year. I, I just think they're not very good, and I think this is a get-healthy game for Fort Myers. I, I think the Greenies, despite the rivalry, I think they win pretty handily. Yeah, I think the Greenies get right here. Um, Chris McFauley and, and Ricardo Noel, Madrid Tucker, Larry Benelli, they're, they're going to be coming out. Um, you know, They wanted to play last week against Dunbar. Um, they couldn't, obviously, because of rain and, and conditions. Um, they'll be fired up for this one without question. Uh, give me the greenies. Third game on the slate. Um, we're going to go to Cypress Lake and Riverdale here. Um, you know, the Panthers are coming off a pretty pretty upsetting loss while Riverdale is looking to continue the streak. Um, I mean, Dustin, I mean, who who he got here? Um, Riverdale seemed to be doing pretty big things under Frank Kepler. Yeah, I, I like the Raiders here. Um, I, I've been impressed with what they've done so far. Uh, Terry Jackson, two early touchdowns last week against Mariner. Um, so I like their chances uh, against Cypress. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Riverdale is a team that um, has done a pretty good job uh, with uh, Frank Epler and, you know, assembling his staff out there, taking a couple guys from South Fort Myers after coaching there last year. Um, you know, Jaheim Clark and Anthony Baxter um, – you know, I think they'll be doing just fine against this uh, Cypress Lake team, which has uh, turned the ball over offensively multiple times. Um, granted, somewhat of a tough schedule to start, but two picks last week at least. Um, Dan, I mean, are you going to pick against the Raiders at home? No, I don't think so. I think Riverdale is going to be a team, and I think we're going to start to see it, where they're just going to keep getting better and better. I mean, you get a new coach, a new staff in there. It takes some time to get everything, you know, kind of gelling. And I, I think going into district play, you know, they're going to be playing some of their best football, and I, I think that's going to continue, and, and they're going to win. 
course. And uh, the fourth game on the slate, Immokalee going to Baron Collier. Um, definitely a uh, pretty, I mean, this is one of those games where I think anything can happen. Um, Dan, going to start it with you here, kind of going back. Um, I mean, your thoughts on this game and, um, you know, can Immokalee pull this off? I, I think they certainly have a chance. Uh, if this game was at Gary Bates Stadium instead of at Baron Collier, I think I'd be real tempted uh, to pick the Indians. But I, I, I think Baron Collier just has a little too much offensively. I think they're a little more polished at this point uh, than Immokalee. But I, I think this is going to be a ball game in the fourth quarter. But I, I think Barron's just going to be able to pull it out. I think they got too much on offense. I, I saw this Barron team last week. Um, they took advantage of their possessions, and this is, I would expect something similar here in terms of what offense that defense is going to face in terms of a run-heavy offense. It'll be Luke John Baptiste, Trinon Villarreal kind of be doing a little bit of everything offensively for Immokalee. Uh, Mark Jackson's definitely got him back to work this week, getting ready for this um, after Josiah Sessler did what he did. Um, I think Barron moves to uh, – 4-0 here, and I, I think they're going to be uh, just fine, I think. Uh, you know, Barron will be ready. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I was really impressed last week the, how many players scored for Barron last week. Mooncotch and Rogers, Daniels, Polly, Braden Johnson. I mean, just so many weapons. Uh, that That's something that uh, Coach Jackson has to like at this point. And they were really good at converting third downs, and that's huge in this in uh, high school football. Yeah, and might I add, they only had the ball for 11 minutes and 15 seconds. Five total possessions, 35 points. Um, great efficiency. Um, the ability to move the ball um, with with the time that they had was just impressive. It seemed like, you know, when their backs were against the wall, they did just fine on that on that front. Um, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, this poses a little bit of a tougher matchup, but I don't expect Immokalee to control the ball as much as uh, Benita did um, last week. For, uh, fifth game on the slate, Gateway, Gateway Charter. If you don't know the story behind this game uh, this week, um, pretty interesting to say the least. Rumor is is that this will be played at one of the JetBlue Park soccer fields, and uh, goalposts will be transported in um, from a North Fort Myers something uh according to a source um so you know who knows what to expect here dustin it's one of those games throw again throw the records out the window no idea what's going to go down yeah these teams hate each other uh, and they make no secret about it and uh it's it's gonna be fun i think i would be confident in picking gateway charter if they hadn't had these back-to-back shutouts um but I think they're going to be looking to rebound from that. I think Laz Rogers is the difference maker here, so I like the Griffins. Remember, this is a gateway charter team that, I mean, they weren't great last year, right? And they went, a their record was just, was 4-6. and six. It was, you know, a pretty weird schedule for them. But, you know, you find that gateway game, they won by 20. Granted, it was it was the, uh, the Eagles' first game ever as a varsity program, but it was a game where, um, you know, dominance from from the Griffins, and um, I don't I don't know if that they can defend uh, uh, Laz Rogers here. I think it'll be a pretty weird game. I'm going to take the Griffins um, to get the win here. I think last year's margin last year's margin is somewhat indicative, but yes, these two teams hate each other, and it's they don't hide it. They the, that's the thing I love about it. You know, it's they make it known and uh you know i'm gonna take the griffins here at uh, JetBlue park soccer field dan 
No, I agree. I, I think Gateway Char will have the best player on the field in Rodgers, and I think he'll make you know one or two plays that'll be the difference, and Griffins will win. Next up, uh, Laley and Palmetto Ridge. Both teams are kind of uh, down this year, um, not off to the best of starts. Um, Palmetto Ridge's game against uh, Hardy was not played. Um, it was supposed to be played Saturday. I believe it was supposed to be made up uh, Monday night. I don't think that happened. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Laley coming off a pretty convincing win over Southeast. Uh, Dustin, going to start it with you. Um, who you got here in this battle uh, between Paul Giovine and J.J. Average? I think the Trojans might have found something in uh, J.V. and Danilis at at the quarterback position. Um, he, he's one of the best athletes on the team, you know, and by putting him there, you know, takes some of the pressure off of Gershom Greer. And, uh, yeah, I, I like the talent of those players. No, I agree. I, I think Laley, you know, figured something out last week, like Dustin said, and I, I think that'll be the difference. Yeah, it's Laley, I think – um, having Gershom Gurrier on the field is definitely key. Um, I'm also going to take the Trojans um, just because uh, I, th- I think Paul Ridge is still trying to figure th- some things out. Um, you know, not playing this past week definitely didn't help. Um, when you're trying to figure things out, because you got to, you know, wait and see how it actually looks in game action. But um, I think lately just having a veteran coaching staff, a more veteran team, a more experienced team is going to pick up a road win here. Game number seven on the slate, Killian going to Naples. Uh, Miami Killian is a pretty talented team last year. Went, uh, had an undefeated regular season before losing to Miami Central in the playoffs. Um, Naples, obviously, um, you know, the premier team in Southwest Florida. Guys, I mean, who you got? I think I have uh, Naples here. Uh, Killian is one and three right now. Um, and what impressed me about Naples last week, you know, with the score being tied at halftime, is that they're they're managing, you know, adversity, which you know they don't always face. <laughs> let's be honest. But you know, the the fact that you know they're making halftime adjustments and and you know they're effective, uh, it shows a lot about the Golden Eagles. Yeah, I'm also going to take Naples. Um, this is a I wanted to test you and see if you did your research. Um, this is a Killian team that lost virtually all their talented playmakers to Miami Palmetto. Um, you know, Robert, the Washington brothers who are Miami commits um, and a handful of other guys that opted to transfer uh, after last year's uh, season at Killian. Um, so it's definitely not the same team, um, but they have been giving some of those Miami teams uh, some problems in terms of putting up points. Um, I'd be curious to see uh, if Naples can actually pull away with one here, if this is going to be, you know, a somewhat close game in the first half um, before Naples pulls away. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but um, Dan, I can't see picking against Naples here, right? No, Naples does a pretty good job of scheduling in the regular season when they bring teams over from Miami. Uh, this is usually a way for them to get an extra home game, an extra gate. Uh, you know, they get a team from Miami, pay their travel, give them a nice meal, and then beat them by 35 points. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do that with Killian, but I think they're going to win comfortably enough. Yeah, nice to have a, uh, nice to have a pretty uh, sizable booster club, I'd say. Um, next up, Mariner Benita Springs. Uh, big question, can Mariner defend Josiah Sessler? I say no. Um, Benita Springs. Uh, we'll get back in the win column here at home. Um, re- regardless of last week's result, Rich Dombrowski's got to be pleased with what he saw in terms of uh, moving the ball pretty much at will against Baron Collier. Um, for the most part, um, I think, I don't know if Benita punted. I'd have to go back and check. But um, moving the ball pretty efficiently. Uh, give me the Bull Sharks. 
Yeah, I think this could be a shootout, and you know the question will be: Can Mariner keep up with uh, Benita and you know Josiah Slessor? Um, Mariner has a lot of talented pieces there. Um, the question is whether they can all come together in, in this type of game, which is so challenging. Um, they give up 31 points last week to Riverdale, so that's going to make me side with uh, the Bull Sharks here. Yeah, it's just so hard to you know get your team ready to defend a, a team like Benita on a short week. Um, and I, I think that's that's really going to end up being the difference. I think size-wise, I, I, I don't think Benita Springs is going to be at as much of a disadvantage as they, they usually are because they are very small on defense, not very big on the lines. But Mariner isn't e- either, so I think the physical battle is going to be you know kind of a wash. And, and I think Sessler you know, and that offense are going to be the difference, and Benita will win on their homecoming. Okay, yeah, I'd be interesting. Uh, to see who's at that game, I'm going to set an over/under of seven and a half offensive possessions total for this game. Uh-huh. Next up, Golden Gate uh, hosting Gulf Coast here. Um, pretty big matchup uh, between two Collier County schools. Uh, Dustin, going to start it with you. Uh, both teams coming off losses. Who gets the win? I like the Sharks' chances to rebound here. Um, they won this matchup 38 nothing last year, um, and I think Connor Barrett and, and company are, are going to be. Uh, you know, licking their wounds from from the Vero loss because you know that that was two goal line turnovers away from from really being um, you know a possible win for them. Yeah, the Gulf Coast was able to move the ball you know pretty effectively last week. Almost had 400 yards of offense, but only 14 points. You know, very similar to you know kind of what Lehigh did against against Bishop Vero, where they moved the ball up and down the field and just couldn't cash in uh in in the red zone i I think gulf coast will make up for that this week and i think they'll win yeah big uh big turnaround game for gulf coast here i'm going to take the sharks um connor barrett should be having a uh, pretty big game friday night um maybe joe miller continues to get going after uh his touchdown against uh varro last week Give, give me the sharks to go to four and one finally you know it's it's a game we've been waiting for for a little while our game of the week Bishop Vero at First Baptist. Um, the two private schools finally get to get a crack at each other again. Um, Dan, going to start it with you here. I mean, both sides seem to be a little bit banged up. Carter Smith has got uh, some sort of a lower body injury in terms of his leg. Um, I, I mean, who do you kind of who do you have here? Well, the one thing I think that's guaranteed is I'm going to get this game wrong because <laughs> Verro's played four times this year, and I've gotten their game wrong every time. Um, I'm going to go with First Baptist uh, just because I think there's a little bit of a revenge factor from last year. I think they feel like you know they they should have won that game with Bishop Verro. Uh, that was at Verro. This time, First Baptist gets them at home. Uh, they're coming off a bye. You know, they had some injuries after that game in Ohio when they, you know, they really should have won that game. Um, I think those, uh, they've had time to get healthy. I think they've had this game, you know, circled on their calendar since last year. Uh, I think they're going to be ready, and I think First Baptist is going to win, and I think I'm going to be wrong. Dustin? Yeah, well, uh, I got to pick against Dan after that, so I'm, I'm going to go with Varro. I think the health of both quarterbacks is going to be a big factor here, but um, you know, I liked what Varro was able to do out of halftime last season, and if they're able to do that again, uh, I, I like their chances to pull away. You're really making me break the tie, huh? Um, so both sides pretty mum about the the injury situations, obviously. Really inclined to pick First Baptist. I think coming off the bye is going to be big for them. 
uh, playing at home. I'm also a believer in the revenge factor, Dan. Um, I just think this First Baptist team this year um, is just better than last year's team, and um, that's uh, you know that's kind of where I'm uh, leaning. I'm going to take the Lions at home. So that wraps it up. I mean, nine out of ten games we agree. Game of the week is obviously a split decision. Um, I expected it to be. Um, so Dustin can possibly tie next week, or he'll be down two games, and maybe Dan moves into second place. I mean, Dan, how would that uh, how would that feel moving the defending champ to third? It would be one of the highlights of my life, I would say. <laughs> uh, we love having Dan's humor here on the show. Um, it's it's great to have uh, him in the studio. Um, so you guys know where to be uh, Friday night. Twitter Spaces will return as always, assuming no rain delays. Um, you know we'll be back uh, Friday night for that. Um, we'll have all of our content up, uh, previews coming up Thursday morning for those who will listen on Wednesday when this pod drops. Um, you know we'll have all the content you need. Roundup will be late Friday night, early Saturday morning if you're still awake. Um, so you know you go to news-press.com slash sports naplesnews.com slash sports um, for all the high school football content here in southwest florida and then of course rankings will be out on monday of next week um so you know we got it all as always you know for dan deluca dustin levy i'm alex martin we'll be back for season five episode seven of the inside southwest florida football podcast next week Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida football podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.